0: Hello, everybody. We are almost in November. Welcome into another season preview series edition of the College Basketball Bonanza. I'm Nicholas Hodel. Dominic Stearns alongside me as always. Don, happy Halloween as we're recording this.
1: Yes, happy Halloween. Uh, We're tomorrow night or tomorrow morning, I guess. We will be in the month of college basketball officially starting. It's been a long wait. Uh, You know, I, like many other college basketball fans, have John Rothstein's Twitter notifications on. Yes, sir. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes you're like, why do I have these on? <laughs> but almost every day, he's reminding me how little day uh, the, the days just keep getting smaller uh, until, we, uh, until we get to finally watch some college basketball. So I'm excited. Uh, looking forward to some college football today as well. Yes. And before
0: we get into the season previous uh, part of this edition, obviously we can't avoid the uh, different effects that COVID has had, and just to sort of uh, discuss uh, something that happened earlier this week, um, Bethman Cookman became the first school in the country to officially opt out of playing games this season, uh, their last season of MIAC membership before going over to the SWAC for next season. So already we're starting to see some of that effect. Uh, there are reports a little while ago uh, that perhaps there may be some Ivy League schools and they do the same thing. So so officially, I believe it's not the first to completely cut the axe. It is actually a team in the MEAC and Bethlehem Cook. The rest of the conference as of right now slated to go. But as of now, we do have our first school that has opted out. So now to get away from the negativity, get into some more positivity, our season previous series, we have the Conference USA and the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt going today. We'll start off in Conference USA one of those conferences that may have some problems with all the travel that they'll have to do, but this is not the time for that. It's time to aggregate it to some preview coverage. And when we look at what happened last year in Conference USA, it was North Texas taking the regular season title at 14-4. and four. This is a conference tournament that was not completed for the second week of the bracket season that did not happen. Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky but right up there in the thick of it as well at 13 and 5. And then a bunch of teams hovering right around 500. A conference that had plenty of teams outside the top 200 in offensive efficiency. Not a ton of efficient offenses, but defensively, they were not bad as well. Finishing 13th in the Kempon conference rankings in a very tight area of these conference rankings from. 12 to 15 with the Mid-American Conference, Sunbelt, and the Southern Conference. And Conference USA, uh, we pretty much agree on who the top team is, is going to be, but we do have some differences towards the bottom uh, end of the top five. And I'll let you go first with Old Dominion.
1: Yeah, Old Dominion, they did it down here last year after the year before they won the conference. They made it to the conference. Uh, they made it to March Madness. Excuse me. So, they had a down year. They lost a lot of players from that team. And then now this year, they're returning just about everyone from last year's down year. Uh, so those guys, you know, while they had a down year last year because the lack of experience, they now have some of that experience. I think they'll they'll, they'll rebound a bit. They'll, they'll go back up a little bit towards the middle of the pack in Conference USA. One key loss for them, Aaron Carver, big uh, big forward, big center, average 10 rebounds per game and uh, anytime you lose a lot of rebounds, uh, especially from one player, that's certainly a huge red flag because if you can't rebound, especially as a mid-major team, you're going to lose a lot of games that you uh, could be in, especially close games. So they're going to need to find ways to rebound better as a team without Carver. But like I said, they're returning a lot of scores. I think they'll have a decent year. And yeah,
0: they are in a very experienced unit, one that should have plenty of success. Uh, I want to talk about Charlotte, a team that we'll talk about Marshall here in a little bit. It's a similar sort of makeup, um, but I think it's just a tiny uh, bit better than what, than what Marshall has. You have someone that is all league uh, 13 last year and senior Jordan Shepard and Jameer Young, sophomore that won the freshman of the year honors last season, led all rookies in the conference in scoring and rebounding. And they'll be interested to see what they have in the center spot. Uh, Miles says is going to have to improve. He could be so meant as a double-double threat, but if he doesn't provide that, that's where Charlotte could be in a little bit of trouble. Um, And Jerry Mata is someone that he does have experience from Dayton. If he remains healthy, though, that's going to be a bigger question as well. If Charlotte wants to get into this top five, maybe even have a shot at top three, this is one of those teams that is going to have to improve their offensive metrics they shot the ball pretty well last year everything else though was not very good uh, their turnover percentage 20.6 percent almost outside the top 300 their offensive rebound percentage only 21 and a half percent that's way out the top 300 uh, and their free throw percentage could definitely improve and then you have all sorts of numbers that aren't necessarily as good as they would want them and that's going to be a, a key area of concern for Charlotte if, if it is going to be another down year for this team. I still like them to finish in the top five. Uh, I think they are going to surprise a lot of folks. I think this is a team that they, they can do some things and definitely uh, sort of surprise some people. We go to Marshall. This is Now we're getting to a team that both of us had in the bottom half of this top five. They could make some waves here, uh, but they do have some questions in the front court.
1: Uh, they definitely do. They're they're a smaller team. I mean, they're going to be starting likely some six nine guys at center. That's never ideal. I've actually had the pleasure of watching Marshall basketball play in person before. I don't know if you can say the same, but they got smoked by West Virginia in the round of thirty two. Uh, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They they put up a lot of points in bunches. Then they'll go on a lot of cold streaks in really get away from putting the ball in the basket. They're returning a lot of players from last year's team, and this is a team that has experienced some winning in the past couple of years. Now, last year, they only went 10-8. and uh, They lost the Elmores from a couple of years ago, so the, 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 those losses were, were big last year, but similar to Old Dominion. Had a down year, but they're returning just about everyone from that team, so I think they'll also take a little bit of a step forward. Smaller team, they need to play big, though.
0: Yeah, and you have three guards that can have all sorts of versatility. Someone that was all league and all defensive, uh, senior Jared West, redshirt sophomore Andrew Taylor off freshman team last year in the conference. You could see a little bit of a dual point guard system being run for Marshall. And you also have someone that does come in that, that is new in David Early. He has some scoring ability and size. Now, whether he'll be able to get into the mix will be another big question. You have some of these front court questions as well. Uh, Iron Bennett and Jansen Williams, both six foot nine. Williams can be more of a stretch four. He has some shot blocking ability. You know, One point six blocks a game last year. And then and then Bennett, he he's someone that, despite it being six nine, he does have some decent size and can certainly play big, which is going to be big for Marshall uh, if they're going to uh, make any sort of run. Uh, this is a Marshall team that this is certainly a team that can, that can compete. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of teams sort of in this same boat of being able to compete uh, for the respective conference title. Uh, and I certainly think Marshall is going to be one of those, but they're going to have to uh, play big with some of those smaller guys that they have um, And whether or not they can do that. I'm not necessarily sure. Um, I'll be very intrigued to see uh, what they can sort of pull off there in that sort of regard. We move over to, uh, we're going to say North Texas, uh, someone that has a reigning conference player of the year and certainly a, a lot of experience.
1: Yeah, they got a lot of experience. on Hamlet, he's going to probably carry this team, averaged 14 points per game last year. Redshirt senior Normally don't see a lot of those outside of that. They, they lost a couple of their key scores from last year's team that ended up winning this conference at 14 and four. They do have a lot of depth returning from last year though. So bring some guys up that, you know, rotated in and off the bench. Uh, guys like James Reese, who averaged eight points per game. Same as Zach Simmons, Thomas Bell averaged six. So they are returning some guys who did play a bit last year, who, had some success scoring the basketball. And what I like about this team is they actually have a decent front court. Uh, Simmons and Bell, they can both put the ball in the hoop and they can both rebound. Now, are they elite round rebounders? Absolutely not. But they're certainly capable of getting 10 rebounds a game. Now, do they do that a lot? No, but they can do it. And anytime you got a player like javion Hamlet, also returning on your team with some guys in the front court, your team is set up for success. Now, do I think they'll win the conference this year? Absolutely not. But they'll be up at the top.
0: Yeah, and you have Hamlet. And and I, I really think that the what Hamlet and Sevens could do could lead to a lot of inside-out situations to where if you cover the perimeter too much, sevens will be open. If you try to cover the inside a little bit too much, you could easily leave Hamlet open and you could be screwed there. So you just have... One pretty solid guy in the perimeter. One really solid guy, at least, in the interior. That's usually a good key for success. Thomas Bell, he can also put in a nice rebounding shift as well. Definitely not bad as well. There is little depth, though, outside of Simmons at the five. And I think that might be somewhere. Uh Simmons gets into foul trouble, in games. That could be where North Texas will have to do a lot of shifting around with some their bench pieces. Um, and there's also several Juco transfers similar to Hamlet. Um, Marjorie McBride will probably be one that is probably the most likely to succeed like Hamlet did. Um, if that happens though, we're not necessarily sure. There is plenty of experience though on this team. Uh, all of all the seniors that they have and I really think that North Texas is going to be someone that teams know is going to be a threat. Uh, Hamlet will be the best player on the floor, most, mostly every single game. And I really think that North Texas is going to be an extremely dangerous team. I like them second, you like them third. And I think we're both sort of in agreement that North Texas is one of the best teams in the conference. And a team that if you're not careful is going to destroy you and destroy you pretty easily with that. Louisiana Tech, this is a team to where they have yet another good backcourt and, once again, plenty of experience.
1: Right. What separated Louisiana Tech from North Texas for me was that Louisiana Tech had two go-to scores as opposed to just Hamlet for North Texas. Now, like we, we mentioned a couple names from North Texas that could step forward, but Louisiana Tech, they are Calab Lado and Amori Uh Those are two awesome names and two very good basketball players at that as well. A uh, team that consistently rebounds uh, they, they, last year, they, they were really returning six players from last year's team. They can all score and they can all rebound. So they're going to be able to do it all. Uh, now the question is, can they score enough points to keep up with other teams like North Texas and Western Kentucky that'll put them in that conversation to possibly win the conference? Like I said, I don't know. We both agree that Western Kentucky is the favorite for this conference, but, uh, I like Louisiana Tech. I think that their defense uh, and them returning two scores can give them a good shot at being at the top of this conference.
0: Yeah, Amore Allgiebl is someone that could get some more ball handling responsibilities, but he is a great scorer. And if he adds the ball handling to that, it's going to be really watch out. You also have someone in a. Care of the someone that won the six man of the year award in the conference last year. He played starters minutes off the bench. And now he is probably going to be a starter. And he's going to be, once again, expected to contribute as such. Um, Jacoby Pemberton. uh, You could see this guy come in as a six man, but he's a versatile, multi-position guard. And that's going to be big for this team going forward. Isaiah Crawford a skill shooter at the four and he contributes on both sides. You're going to have to really uh, rely on that. And Andrew Gordon is someone that can really step up uh, on on the rebounds. So pretty much all these guys uh, had showed last year, they can rebound at some level. And I think Gordon will probably be the one that takes uh, most of that um, responsibility, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Definitely a team that, uh, has a lot of experience, has a lot of talent. And I think almost every team in this conference has those front court question marks. And I think almost every team in this conference has a really solid backcourt. I mean, some are not going to venture too much, but UTSA, they, they last year they had the second highest scoring duo in the country last year, and they're both back. And that's a team that none of us put in our top six. Uh, and Mm -hmm. that, that really just shows the amount of really good guards that are in this conference and you're, and the way you're going to win this conference is by having a front court that can withstand some of these guards the best. Uh, and I think Louisiana attack is the front court that can get the job done. They can have several guys that can rebound and they are several guys that are versatile in their positions. That's going to be the big key for the front court here is the versatility that they have. And ultimately that versatility is going to lead into a top three finish here, Dom, for sure. Yep. And to go to Western Kentucky, this is a team that, um, if they don't finish the top of the conference, uh, either someone got hurt or something's off here.
1: Right. I mean, they're, they're returning everyone. I mean, they've got four double double-digit scores from last year. And then they've got two transfers coming in who averaged 9.8 points per game in Luke Frampton from Davidson and Kenny Cooper from Lipscomb. So, I mean, this team, they're, they're going to be one of the best – they're going to be the best offensive team in this conference. So let's not even sugarcoat it here. I mean, they're, it's their conference to lose. They're returning way more offense than any other team, uh, way more experience than any other team. So, Western Kentucky, they haven't made it to the dance – uh, in a couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it under Rick Stansbury this year.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Charles Bassey, he's back. And that alone is huge. I mean, this is someone that, I mean, this guy could have gone to the next level. Uh, and this is a, a, a player that could, you know, if he was at Kentucky, he might start there. Uh, if, if he was at an elite team in the pack 12, He might start there. Uh, This is someone that this conference is going to try to really uh, mitigate, um, not necessarily stop completely. You can't stop this guy completely with the amount of front court you have in the conference. Uh, No, that's not going to happen anytime soon, really. An elite defender, really good post-score, and rebounder in this conference. And if weren't for that knee injury, I'd be willing to bet He'd be off to the next level right now. Uh, And you mentioned the list of chance for uh, Kenny Cooper. I think his abilities is going to be get the ball to Bassey. He's a pass for his point guard, and he'll be getting plenty of assists by getting it down low. Uh, What you also have uh, is several other guys that could develop uh, benefit uh, from that developing passing ability that Cooper has. You have a Tavion Hollinsworth, Josh Anderson and Carson Williams, all those guys, 10 plus points a game last year and the Duke transfer Luke Frampton He is a very solid sixth man. Could definitely be the sixth man of the year in this conference. There is no excuse for the Hilltoppers uh, not to win this conference. And I know that's going to really come to the liking of many of my old high school friends who go to Western Kentucky University. I know they're going to love hearing that. This is a team that has pretty much everything you would want in this conference. If you don't win this conference, something is wrong. Something is really wrong wrong i couldn't tell you what it is because obviously as we get into the possibility of no fans and we get into some of that stuff maybe we do see some of the uh crazy results that we've uh, seen in the sport of soccer over in europe for example uh but it's going to be interesting uh to see how kentucky dominates the conference i don't think there's any excuse for them not to do so um Do you think there's a sleeper team in this conference that may be able to garner some traction come March?
1: Yeah, it was UT. It was UTSA with their two big scores. Uh, I don't think they build well for a long season, but if they get hot going into the conference tournament, they can certainly surprise some teams. Now. I mean, I'd of course pick Western Kentucky over them, even if they are playing hot, but they're, they're my sleeper.
0: Yeah. And I mentioned earlier that the, uh, Javon Jackson, uh, Keaton Wallace, the second highest scoring duo in the nation last Mm -hmm. year. Jackson was number two nationally. Uh, There's a lot of firepower in just that backcourt. Uh, I think with this team, you have a very uh, volatile floor and ceiling. We'll see what happens with them. Not to really go on about them too long, but those two guards alone are going to be extremely difficult to stop especially if you're having to focus on both of them. You can't just double team one and be fine with the other four. You're going to have to really be careful in playing that team at pretty much all times. And that is going to be a, a team to where even some of the best teams in this conference, even a team like North Texas or Louisiana Tech, I'll be curious to see what uh, how those games go because those two guards UTSA has, who oh boy, watch out. Can could we be move-
1: any team in the conference at any given time.
0: And they can also lose to any given team in the conference as well. And I think that's part of the reason why we both sort of hesitated to put them in our top six as well. You ready for a little fun, the fun belt here, Dom?
1: I'm always ready for some fun belt. I, we should have put them with the, with the Mac. I don't, I don't know why you, you had to, I know you have your formula, but you missed out on some, uh, you missed out on some great fun there.
0: I know, I know. You're not going to let me live that one down, are you?
1: <laughs> Probably not, no.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, the Sun Belt, this was once again Little Rocks Conference at 15 and 5 last season. Uh, Texas State and South Alabama uh, at 13 and 7. We had another conference that could not get their conference tour be completed because of the coronavirus pandemic and again a very tight situation for them about two hundreds away from that 13th spot um that covers usa held on the 14th place in the conference for the sun belt in a lot of these major conferences that's usually uh, not a bad place to be especially if we look at some of the five years the last five years they've hung around really in that top 15 area two straight years now of a 14th place ranking there in the KEMPOM conference rankings. And once again, there is a little bit of a slight alteration in our top five. I'm going to let you go first with Texas State.
1: Yeah, Texas State, they're not really returning that key score, but we've mentioned several times on the show. If you, you can't just rely on one score in college basketball to win consistently. They're returning a ton of depth from last year. Lost a couple of scores for sure. Oh, You, know, you got to admit that, but They are returning some points. Uh, Isaiah small senior forward averaged eight points per game, six rebounds per game. Alonso Sule, eight points per game, four rebounds per game also at the forward. So they're going to have one of the best front courts in the conference. And then Mason Harrell, junior guard, he's only five foot nine, but puts the ball on the hoop, 8.7 points per game. So they are returning uh, a lot of depth and they're a very well-balanced team in that aspect. So, I think that Texas State can certainly be a middle-tier team in this conference after being 13 and 7 last year and finishing in tie for second place. Now they're going to fall. I think everyone everyone notices that, but I don't think they're going to fall as far as some people think.
0: Yeah, I might be concerned. What prevent me from putting them in that top five is their coaching, uh, Terrence Johnson, a first-year coach, a first-year head coach, uh, and that and that is uh, pretty much for his career. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that uh, takes, uh, takes an effect in close games to may have against some of these better teams. They have the talent to finish top five. I don't think there's any doubting that. I just pegged them down a little bit below uh, just because I think their coaching could set them back a little bit. Uh, Louisiana, uh, for me, this is a team that is going to have to stay healthy. With the talent they have available, I definitely think they can finish inside the uh, top five. I don't think there's a... To me, there's not really a ton of doubts about that. You have a duo that is possibly at all conference duo and Cedric Wrestle and Malik Wilson, the freshman of the year. Both of those guys are going to have to really uh, be productive together uh, for this team to really get anywhere. Uh, and of course, uh, being healthy is going to be another part of that as well. Uh, Kobe, Julian, uh, he's had some knee problems uh, and that's sort of a, plagued uh, the, for most of his career. He is going to come back um, hopefully healthy, uh, and I think he'll be a solid four for this team when he does get healthy. You have plenty of chatter that are all looking for waivers as well. They can't be too deep in pretty much every position, but it's going to be the health of this team that is my biggest theme for this, for this program. Um, if, if they stay healthy, they definitely have the talent to finish in the top five. If, if they're not necessarily healthy, and they have more of these injury issues. This could be a, uh, a season to where I know you put them sick on, they may finish right around there. Um, if this team is not uh, as healthy, and it'll be very interesting to see how that progresses. South Alabama, not a ton coming back, but they have plenty of pieces to put together. And last year, it sort of worked out for them.
1: Yeah, 110%. And this year they're really relying on transfers. They got Deandre Ballard, Coming in from Florida. Uh, he didn't get a ton of playing time in Florida, but did average four points per game in the SEC. You never know what you can get there now that he's a forward coming from a bigger conference in the SEC now into the fun belt. And then they have Sam Lor I don't know, Sam Lorio. Uh, he he's a transfer from American who averaged 13 points per game. So a lot of value there. They're also waiting on some transfer waivers from Michael Flowers from Western Michigan, who averaged 17 points per game. So that's a big get if they can get him approved. And Terrence Lewis from Iowa State, uh, he's a senior. He averaged 16 uh, – he averaged six, sorry, six points per game at Iowa State. Another guy who's a forward in a bigger conference, now coming to a conference with not as many bigs. So this team has the potential to be extremely dominant in the front court if they can get those guys available. Now, backcourt, not a lot there. Uh, you know, Terrence Lewis can certainly help with that if he gets approved, but even then, he wasn't great at Iowa State. Uh, I, I'm banking on Flowers, getting that waiver. We, we've seen a lot of waivers get approved this year, given the coronavirus. NCAA is being a little more lenient this year than in previous years. I'm going to bank on it. I, that's why I got South Alabama. Uh, I got him in third.
0: Yeah, I think that the pieces are going to have to come together, and it's going to be a, a, a nice little challenge uh, for the coaching staff here. You have someone from America and Sam Oreo as well. Um, he can definitely be a rebounder and solid shooter, and you mentioned DeAndre Ballard, definitely a high-level shooter as well. You give him some time, I think he is going to really improve. Uh, Tyree LaCour, solid freshman starter last year for the program. He will have to put his numbers up a little bit. He will need some more production. But he can definitely be a solid point for the team. Uh, KK Curry and uh, John Petway will be a few guys that will probably be those sixth and seventh men that will get the majority of the time um, when they do decide to go off the bench. Not a lot of very tall players here. Uh, six eighth, but the tallest player they have. And uh, Kale uh, Goncaves. Uh, so they will be playing small ball a lot. Uh, and there are a lot of pieces that have to put together uh, how Pilar and Oyo um, put themselves together is going to be very intriguing. The talent there is, though, for a top five finish. I just sort of have the question marks of how they can be able to put the talent together uh, to really make that happen. That, to me, is my biggest question mark that I have. It's why I shouldn't have to put them in the top three compared to the team like UT Arlington, um, who has some of those pieces. And even some of the new pieces, they fit the mold here.
1: Right. A lot of returners from last year, David Azore, he's going to be their best player. Six foot four guard that just puts the ball in the hoop. 14 points per game, four rebounds per game, given his height at the guard position. Another guy, Jordan Phillips, six foot seven, six points per game, three rebounds per game. So those are two guys they can rely on to both score and get missed baskets. Sam Griffin, other guy, kind of that guard forward mix at six foot three, got nine points per game last year so th- this team they do have some key returners outside of that they're not returning a lot of d1 scoring they do got shahada wells coming in as it uh, as a juco transfer so they they're going to be expecting him to be able to distribute the ball from last uh, to to some of last year's best scores uh, I think this team has a ton of potential they could certainly be better than South Alabama South Alabama is more of that boomer bust team, uh, given what we already said about them. A uh, lot of new, pe- lot of new faces there, but UT Arlington, uh, a lot of starters left from last year, but they got a new, they got a ton of new players coming in.
0: Yeah, and, and UT Arlington, and you have the guys that they fit the mold. Really, it's the biggest thing here. A uh, Georgetown transfer, Grayson Carter. Not a ton of numbers to go off of, but I think he's going to shore things up inside, and that's a need. this team as well he sort of fits that big need and you also have someone um in uh, shahada wells who was a NJCAA all-american so not only a juco chancellor but one of the very very best juco players in the entire nation uh he will fit he will fit in with the shooting problem that this team sort of had last year if we want to Look into uh, some of those numbers, sort of the reason why they are in the middle of the conference last year. An effective field goal percentage of 47.3%. Not something that this team wants. A three-point percentage of 30.4% outside of the top 300 nationally. So they had those problems last year. Wells is going to be a big piece. And they're trying to get some of that shooting back. Into this team, uh, Rexer Jr. Uh, David Eisor, he was an incredible uh, stat stuffer last year, second team All Conference last year. Uh, sophomore Sam Griffiths, the three point threat of this program, who has a multifaceted hybrid player, but three and four, and Junior Jordan Phelps, he can sort of, you know, play in the wing. He can sort of go down low, be the stretch a little bit. There, the power forward spot. He can definitely be sort of the multi-faceted, that fourth guard. If they, if they want to run a 4 guard system. I think the offense will improve. Uh, and I think that's going to be because of Carter and Wells. Both of those guys fit needs this team has. And I think that's a really, really good job by the coaching staff, headed up by Chris Ogden. Now, his third year uh, this year will be with the program. He's done a really good job in the transfer market, getting Carter and Wells to fit the needs of his program. And you also have some great players, eyesword, Griffin, and Phillips, that can produce some more to what they did last year. I think the offense will absolutely improve, and that's going to lead to a, a top five at the very minimum. Yeah, I have him third. You have him fourth. We're sort of in agreement with that top five sort of projection here with this team. It's a team that I'm not, I don't think they'll be able to push into the top two. We'll talk about Georgia State here a little bit. Um, But I definitely think that UT Arlington will make themselves known as a threat to, at the very least, lock up a spot in the uh, final two rounds of the Sunbelt Conference tournament if they do the step ladder approach as they have done in recent years for their conference tournament. And we go to Georgia State now with an experienced, productive backcourt.
1: Yes, this team is like the epitome of mid-major basketball like in a good way because they're returning a ton of guards and a ton of guards that can score and not a lot in the front court, which is fine because if you can score with your guards, it really doesn't matter. But I'm just going to go off on here. Justin Roberts, 13 points per game at 6 foot. Kane Williams, 6 foot 3, 14 points per game. Corey Allen, 6 foot 1, 13 points per game. And then their guy coming off the bench, Nelson Phillips, six foot three, eight points per game. So a lot of points per game returning there just in the backcourt. Now the front court don't really got much. Uh, Jalen Thomas is projected to be their only forward that starts for them. Had six foot 10, you can get the board. You can put in the hoop a bit. Uh, last year as a freshman, he averaged five points per game and three rebounds per game. I'd imagine he's going to take a step forward this year. Be a big part of their reason that they move up into second place in this conference, <coughs> excuse me. Outside of that, not a lot in the front court. Joe Jones and Eliel Nis- Nisamami need to step up in that front court. Nisamami at Cincinnati, he only averaged one point per game, three rebounds per game, didn't really play much at Cincinnati. So, we'll see if he can step up now that he's at Georgia State and in the Sun Belt, a weaker conference. Certainly from the American, and then Joe Jones. Uh, he was a freshman last year, only averaged three points and three rebounds per game. So those guys need to step up, give some minutes to allow Jalen Thomas to get some rest on the bench because that front court is not experienced, and even in that playing time, they didn't exactly uh, produce too much.
0: And and part of the four guards that they'll have will be with Georgia transfer of JoJo Toppin. He is going to be someone that is going to have to really uh, fit in mainly at that four spot, but it's not going to be in a powered forward sense. It'll be in a four guard sense uh, that he'll need to fit in. You pretty much mentioned all of the big guards that this, ha- this team has. Uh, second team all-conference member uh, for Kane Williams. Justin Roberts, third team all-conference. Corey Allen is the most prolific three-point shooter on this team and you also have Nelson Phillips in that six man and he can be an effective somewhere where if you want to look for the three ball as well it's a bit of a weaker front quarter than a team at Little Rock who we will discuss next but this is still one of the top teams in the conference and there's no arguing that I think with all these guards that come back it's going to be very overwhelming for most teams in this conference again you can't guard just one you got to be able to watch almost all five players on the floor. And that's a big advantage for any team. If you had that ability to where, if you try to double team someone, you have uh, two other guys that it get wide open and put the ball in the hoop. And that's always a plus for any team in the country if they had that ability. Georgia State definitely has that ability. And so does Little Rock with, Two first team all conference members returning.
1: Yeah, and Little rock they have been the the top team in this conference for the past couple of years. They—they've certainly made their appearances in the tournament, and they were certainly expected to do that as well last year. Of course, you know, coronavirus didn't allow them to. Now, returning a lot from last year's team, especially like you mentioned, front court and backcourt, primarily in the front court because. Not a lot of teams are returning a lot of front courts. This is where Little Rock will dominate. I mean, Ruat Myung Young, six uh, foot ten, senior. He averaged twelve points per game, ten rebounds per game. So he, he's going to do his part. He he's really uh, a beast down there, down low. Also returning a key guard, Marquise Noel, only five foot seven, could be deceiving when you when you turn on the game, but all this dude does is score. 17 points per game as a sophomore last year. Now he's going to be a junior. Expect that scoring, uh, scoring pace to increase. And this team also has Nicola Marich, junior, six foot ten, off the bench. Not a lot of teams have good front court scoring off the bench. He averaged eight points per game and five rebounds per game last year. So this team is certainly set up for success because they can score in multiple ways. If the shots aren't falling, they can put the ball down low. We buckets
0: that way, too. Yeah, and this is, I mean, you, you have uh, Mon Young here who led the conference in points, rebounds, blocks, double-doubles, and so and Marquise Newell led the league in free throw percentage, three-point percentage, made threes. When you have two guys that can lead seven categories combined in a conference, you're going to do pretty dang well for yourselves at almost all times, and that is something that this team does have. It is an extremely extremely good unit and it has the depth in the front court. I don't think that there's a ton of teams that have that and you look at some of the grades that they've been given front court, you see a lot a lot of B's where Little Rock was given an A. Uh, that is probably the big difference is that you have death in the front court. Not a ton of teams in this conference has that. Not a ton of teams in College USA has that. We mentioned them earlier in the, the program. This is a versatile, deep experienced, athletic, long team that can win the Sunbelt Conference by far and away. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible team uh, for the Sunbelt to have in their back pocket and assuming that they run the table, get into the conference tournament as the one seed, win the conference tournament as the one seed. This is a team we could be talking about in March as a team that can get an upset or two. I really think that you have the depth in the front court. You have all these guards that can perform really well. Watch out for me. Watch out there for Little Rock. Uh, Any other big sleepers that you may have?
1: Uh, Before I get into my sleepers, I just wanted to point out, I'd be completely shocked if both Little Rock or Western Kentucky don't win their conference. And I think that both of these teams that we've talked about this episode winning their conference are certainly teams that, if they meet the potential that we're seeing, are upset caliber teams. I mean, both these teams are probably going to be 12 or 13 seeds coming into March if they do win their conference tournament. And I think that these teams are certainly scary, certainly upset caliber teams. Now, sleeper team, I'm going to talk about the Chanticleers, Clears, Coastal Carolina. We're seeing a very impressive football season from them, so maybe those winning vibes carry over to their basketball team. Returning some key scores, Devonte Jones 17 points per game last year, along with five rebounds per game at the guard position and five assists per game. I mean, that's a lot of production you're getting from your star player. And then Abrima Dibba, six foot six guard can, can rotate him to be playing in the front court and the back court a bit. This is a tall, they've got tall starting guards, which could pose some problems. And with a couple of elite scores, like I just mentioned, they can certainly pose an upset challenge in the Sun Belt conference tournament, especially, uh, we have them projected, you know, right outside the top. They could certainly knock off Georgia state or maybe even, uh, or maybe even little rock if they do fall down to that eight seed and then face them. So watch out for the Chanticleers.
0: For me, um, Arkansas state has plenty of pieces that can fit the mold here of what they're looking for. Um, Marquise Eden, Caleb Fields in the backcourt. Uh, Eden, a third team all conference member last year, and Fields is the primary ball handler. That's not a bad duo for Arkansas State. What you also have from the event for a defensive six-man threat is Christian Willis. He can also shoot the three pretty effectively as well. The big thing for me is that they have two two JUCO transfers that if they bring the rebounding ability back with, with them to Arkansas State from the JUCO ranks, this will be a very interesting conversation we have later on. Um, Marquise Davis, 6.2 rebounds a game in the Juco level. Uh, Keon Wesley, 6.5 rebounds a game in the Juco level. Both of them scored pretty well as well at the Juco level. That rebounding is going to be an area to where they may be um, two guys uh, that if they continue to rebound well at the D1 level, they could form a pretty solid front court and may be able to step into that top five. Obviously not as good as Little Rock. I was not as good. As Georgia State. I would argue not as good as UG team for sure, uh, but they could definitely be one of the better teams in this conference. Or if they do, ha- they do have a weaker season. It could be around five hundred, and that's it. Uh, so Arkansas State's my sleeper. Coastal Carolina is yours, and that takes care of this to a show. Uh, published on Halloween. What's your what's your Halloween costume, by the way? Before we get off.
1: That's a good question. That. That along with preparing for our next show or my afternoon tasks before I go to Top Golf and then Dave and Buster's tonight for Halloween because oh. n- no no COVID parties for me absolutely not we we have safe and we have fun here on Halloween on the bonanza
0: yes and of course I'll just be stuck here preparing for shows getting everything up so you all can listen to it like you are right now and really just usually my work. <laughs> I mean, I'm—I I mean, other than Sunday evenings, I'm not sure whether the time I don't work, coursework, bonanza work. I mean, it's, it's all fun for me until you start getting into the Spanish and biology stuff. Nasty. Uh, but um, for Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Sodell. If you're listening to this on Halloween, have a good Halloween. If not, have a good day, night, whenever you're listening to us from wherever you are in the world. Have a good one, folks.